0: Just sort of being true to who you are. If you're the person who enjoys the content and the techie side, that's okay. You can be in real estate without chasing the commission check up front, right? You can do it from behind. But once you're doing the creation, the best advice is baby steps and just keep doing them day after day after day. Best ever
1: listeners, do you want to make more money on your real estate projects? Well, I'm guessing that I'm hearing you say, oh yeah, baby. (laughs) Well, Guess what, my friends? Today's best ever sponsor Fun That Flip is working with well, one of our previous best ever guests who has the most po- one of the most popular episodes, Jay Scott. If you aren't familiar with this episode, then go check that out, episode 217. If you are because you're a loyal best ever listener, then you know that he knows how the heck to both analyze deals, especially flips, how to optimize the profits on those flips, and how to look at the market. Because of that, Fund That Flip, today's sponsor, has worked with him and put together a guide that is the seven tips to increase your real estate profits in today's market. Go check that out. Go get that guide. I've read through it myself. I've learned a lot of things from it, from how to analyze the market cycles, as well as how to optimize profits and not lose money or mitigate your risk for losing money on your deals. Go check it out. FundThatFlip.com forward slash best ever. That's F-U-N-D-T-H-A-T-F-L-I-P.com forward slash best ever you're going to learn the tools to better understand your local market and position your business for success. You're going to know how to analyze the real estate cycle and how to use short-term investing to capitalize on the market cycle and seven concrete actionable tips to make more money on your deals FundThatFlip.com forward slash best ever. Best ever listeners. Hello, how you doing? Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is a show where we cut out the fluff and we only talk about the best advice that moves your real estate investing business forward. This is the world's longest-running daily real estate investing podcast. We've spoken to Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank, Robert Kiyosaki, the author Rich Dad Poor Dad. And today we're going to be talking to Greg. Shaker, how you doing, Greg? I'm doing great.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, my pleasure, my friend, and looking forward to digging in. You have a unique background and skill set and job, and it's very relevant to real estate investors. We're going to talk about that. Greg is a content strategist and realtor with Lenahan Sotheby's International Realty. He's a podcaster in chief with them. He helps local buyers and sellers. Meet Louisville's Sharpest Minds. He's one of the first agents to embrace WordPress blogging and YouTube videos to do his listings. He's based in Louisville, Kentucky, and you can say hi to him at his website, gregfly.com. With that being said, Greg, you wanna give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on?
0: Sure, absolutely, I think you did a real nice job there. I grew up in a real estate household. My father's a, a broker, has been since the early 70s, and it just sort of a dinner table conversation. It was never something I thought I'd go into, and I went the artistic route after college and became a glassblower. And I got pretty decent, but I needed to travel to art shows to really... Uh, make any kind of money. And with two young children, I decided that was not the career that I was going to pursue. And so I got my real estate license, started helping my dad. That's when computers started becoming pretty important in the office and he was not computer literate. So I helped his office move over to computers and found that I really liked the technical side. And so from the very beginning, I enjoyed putting websites together and helping sellers get their homes exposed on the internet. So I kept plugging away with my real estate license, but really behind the scenes, I enjoyed the technical side. And and just in the last year or two, I finally gave myself permission to say, I'm just going to pursue the technical side way more than the sales side. I still do some sales, but really I'm I'm involved mostly with the content creation, the blogging, the video, that kind of stuff.
1: Your focus is on content creation, blogging, videos, and you work for... Uh, Linehan- a brokerage, right?
0: Correct. So I work for Linehan Sotheby's International Realty. That's the uh, Louisville Sotheby's International Realty office. And um, I joined maybe last October, last November, and I'd been doing my own personal podcast, just interviewing people I found, agents in a different office, just anyone who would talk to me about anything related to real estate or Louisville. And I was just doing it on my own, just on one of my websites. And the folks over at Linehan said, do you want to do it for our brokerage? And I said, absolutely. It was a very quick courtship, I guess, and uh, moved my license very quickly. It's been great. So it's really the first brokerage that I've worked at that's really embraced content creation this way. We try to publish something five times a week, and my job is Tuesday and Thursday, my podcast for the, the brokerage comes out.
1: You were interviewing people around the area, and then the company you're at now said, hey, you want to do this for our
0: brokerage. What were you interviewing them on If I was talking to another real estate agent, I might talk about different parts of town. I might talk about statistics. I think one of the ones I remember, we were talking about some of the trials and tribulations that an older couple might face or an older seller buyer moving down. You know, When you go from a 4,000 square foot house to a 2,000 square foot house, what might you encounter? Those kinds of things, just different niche markets that we find here in our Louisville real estate market. And
1: what are you doing now? Are you still doing interviews and interviewing people locally?
0: I am, but we've really branched out. So now we talk to businesses. We talk to anything that's Louisville related or real estate related. So we still do some of the market analysis. We still want to be the go-to source for real estate news. But since we're publishing twice a week, we have more freedom and more flexibility. Tomorrow I'm talking to a local brandy maker. Copper and King. So I'll visit their site, and we'll talk about how they fit into the local community. Earlier, I published a blog post about Forecastle Music Festival, which is a three-day music festival here in Louisville. So again, it's it's how do these businesses and how do these events fit into the Louisville fabric. I'll talk to anyone who's interested in Louisville, who's interested in real estate, and it's what we're finding is more and more people are following us, talking about the podcast, becoming interested in what aspects of Louisville they haven't yet discovered, or they're sharing the ones that they already know about, and they want to brag to their friends, like, I already knew about this, did you? And so we're starting to get some traction on that front, really sharing different stories about Louisville and why it's such a great city for people moving here and people living here, and uh, it, it's really starting to take off.
1: Let's talk about the business results of this, and then I want to keep digging deep into this subject, because it, sure. I think it's really interesting. What are you ranked for home sales in the area, your company?
0: As with most Sotheby's affiliates, the hand Sotheby's International Realty, well, we focus primarily on high-end homes. And in Louisville, we're number one in all sorts of metrics. So homes, $500,000 and over, highest average list price, volume, greatest number of inside sales so that our buying agents are producing contracts on the listings we have in-house all sorts of numbers and have been number one for four years running on a lot of these. And the brokerage is only five years old. So the owner, John Linehan hit the ground running, knew what he was looking to put in place, a really high end concierge level brokerage. And the man is committed to marketing and making sure that his clients get the best possible service. And so that's why he was willing to put the money down and say, I don't see anyone else podcasting about real estate. Let's give it a try. Let's see what happens. And um, it's working out.
1: That's the key right there that you all are number one in $5,000, $100,000 or more homes in Louisville because you're networking, you're speaking to, you're interviewing, and you're sharing learnings from these small business owners in Louisville or big business owners in Louisville and, and learning more about the community. That's so smart. To get in with the thought leaders, the influential people within the community, give them something, highlight them, bring them more business through exposure, and attach the brand with that entire process.
0: That's the virtuous circle, right? So it's been written about many times. And what we're finding now is that it was a little harder to get guests six months ago, and now it's much easier. And we're actually having a few people or developers or business owners actually reaching out to us and saying, hey, you know, I might have a little bit of time if you want to come by and do a podcast. I wouldn't say that we're blasting the whole city, but it's taken a while to really grow some roots. And now you can see we're growing and it's going to be difficult for other offices to really mimic us without putting in the kind of resources that a lot of offices don't want to do.
1: Besides publishing the podcast through iTunes, which goes out worldwide. How are you getting the word out about these interviews in a very hyper-local market?
0: I take a little different approach than a lot of people. So I actually have created, I think it's about 12 or 14 separate websites of my own. And each one of those is targeted to a different neighborhood around town. And so if I do a podcast, for instance, in a part of town called Butchertown and the Brandy people I talked about earlier, they're in Butchertown. And so not only will I put that main podcast on the company website, I'll spend the time to write another summary of the podcast. And then I'll put that summary on one of my little niche blog sites that is all about Butchertown. And so when people are looking, each one of those little sites has a little following and it's all about that little hyper local, as you called it, area. So I make sure that I, I follow up behind all these podcasts and I hit all these little niche websites that I have and keep those updated to make sure that I'm getting big topics and big ideas, sort of the the top-down view, but then I'm coming in behind it and doing the little stuff that people don't like to do, and it's just one step at a time, just a little bit, a little bit, and after a while, you've got a really big foundation, and that's how I drive a lot of traffic. And then if I might, I also have on Facebook several different area Facebook pages. So besides my personal Facebook page, I have it just sort of a generic Greg Flyshaker realtor page, and then I have several, again, niche Facebook pages. So again, the Butcher Town is an example. Butcher Town's kind of close to the Highlands, kind of sort of part of the Highlands. So I have a Highlands Facebook page. So anything remotely close to the Highlands, I would then republish on the Highlands Facebook page. But if it's over in, say, St. Matthews, which is a different part of town, I'm going to use a different niche website and I'm going to use a different Facebook page to promote those. So it makes it feel like I'm being sensitive and attentive to the small little group, which they appreciate. And I'm not flooding someone on my, let's say, Greg Fleischick a realtor page with a post five times a day about something else. I sort of space that on these little different ones so no one feels too overcrowded, but they're still feeling the love from me on a regular basis.
1: What's a website URL that you have of a local neighborhood?
0: Um, Livinginthehighlands.com.
1: How do you keep up with 14 websites?
0: It's kind of how I view my job. So I only update each of those little ones maybe twice a month. And so if I can publish a post in half an hour, write a 300-word post and pull some statistics or write a summary, it's really not that onerous if that's something that you're committed to doing. So I, I know plenty of people who spend, what is that, if I have 14 sites, if I do two a month, which I probably don't do, but that's a total 14 hours in a month to update everything twice it's not that bad as long as you're committed to doing it
1: I'm on living in the Highlands right now I see the lead capture what's your home's worth get instant property value now and you put your address in there but I didn't tell me to put in my email address are you capturing the leads that come on these sites oh wait no contact us now I see that do you have, well, do you have the, some sort of lead in
0: there are several so each of the niche sites then, if you do the seller valuation, that'll actually take you to my main real estate site. And to get your valuation, you're going to give me your address and your name and that kind of stuff. So, yes, I absolutely capture that. There's a generic contact me form. And then, also, I think if you look on there in the sidebar, there's a market, keep track of what's selling in your neighborhood. So, that's another lead capture form. And then some of it's just follow along, right? So, I would post every so often, and people who don't want to give me their name and email, yet would then circle around when they get closer and say, hey, you're the statistics guy or you're the podcast guy or whatever it is that triggered them. They're going to come back and say, all right, now I'm ready. And I will have never known that they were out there, but I have had several sales where someone said, all right, I'm ready. By then it's a done deal. They're like, hey, Greg, you're the podcast guy. Come list my house. Or if you and a partner could come co-list, you know, that kind of thing. um, That's what I'm looking for is the no competition, come list me kind of seller.
1: I know I'm getting granular, but how do you segment out the emails from each of the sites? Do you have separate lists and do you have like a a CRM database?
0: The main site that I use, LouisvilleHomeSales.com, a lot of those will travel back into the back end of those and it does have a CRM and it'll show which website they came from. So it's automatically tagged where the lead source is. If it's a seller lead, it'll be tagged as a seller. So I have campaigns for sellers. And then I'll also know which part of town so that I can come back through later and say, all right, pull out all people who are interested in St. Matthews or Prospect or whatever it is. If I want to send a newsletter or something like that to just that group, I can segment that out pretty easily.
1: The people who you interview on the podcast, it sound like you're going to meet them in person. You're doing the interview at their location.
0: It just depends. So we have a conference room in the brokerage and sometimes we'll come into the conference room and I'll have everything ready for them. Other times I'll go to their location. So it's really whatever works for them. But yes, I am mobile. I I carry everything in the back of my car. I also take a a pretty decent camera and tripod and I can do some video. Again, I'm not NPR quality on podcasts or video, but I'm I'm way better than the average person. So it's a pretty decent quality. I make sure people know it's not the absolute top, but people seem very pleased with it. So it's working.
1: Mm. And as far as leads that you've seen attributed to your efforts, what has that resulted in? Do you have any numbers on that?
0: I don't really. I think that the podcasting is a long-term play. So yes. w- you agree? Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: for someone who's been doing it daily for two years, it is a long-term even relationship play. It's not a short-term make $1 billion. Exactly.
0: And some of it for a high-end brokerage like we are, some of it is simply taking care of the existing clients. So I'm kind of in a weird situation where I'm an agent, but I'm also doing marketing basically for the brokerage. So some of the podcasts that I'll do will be about listings that we already have. So if we get a a really high-end, super exclusive, super nice listing, we're going to give that listing a little bit of extra love. So Part of it's just taking care of clients. It's not about generating new leads. And I tell you, clients love it. And it just takes a while to build a foundation. But we can look at markers and see that people are listening, people are reading. We're getting traction. Some of the comments we get on Facebook show that people are paying attention. We're getting some shares. So it's one of those, I'm not quite sure I can put a, well, I, I know I can't put a dollar amount on it right now, but everyone seems to be enjoying it. And it's the kind of energy that people are attracted to. So we're, we're going with it.
1: Yeah, if you've got someone smart leading the ship, then he or she's going to recognize the value in this. And if they have a long-term vision, it's a no-brainer to do what you're doing. It's so smart. It's You say what, a
0: no-brainer, but really the, the few people who are doing it indicate that it really does take quite a few brains. There are not a ton of brokerages that are jumping in with both feet. So it takes some time, it takes some money, and it takes some vision. And there are not a lot of people who have all three of those at the same time. So yeah, and,
1: and that's business. And that's life, I guess. That's right. You absolutely. Just, you know, there there's the overachievers, there's the people who get by, and then there's people who just don't do anything. Let's talk about what you just said, resources. So if someone wanted to create this, maybe like, this is applicable to anyone in real estate. Like, it's definitely applicable to me. I buy apartment communities with accredited investors, i.e., high net worth individuals, and share in the profits. So, interviewing movers and shakers within my market is a great way to you know pat their back and get to know them and get them their business exposure and then eventually build a relationship. A wholesaler, same thing. I mean, you would have a slightly different spin on it. This is applicable to anyone if we use the right filter. So how much does it cost? I mean, you mentioned the time. I think you said about 14 hours a month per website.
0: I was referring to if I only update each of those 14 little niche sites twice a month, I can update twice a month for each of those in one hour. So 14 hours a month, I can keep up with those 14 little sites. So that okay. was not that's not the podcasting itself. That's it, sort of the, the podcast itself. I probably spend a couple hours on each episode. Mm-hmm. So I publish two a week between scheduling, recording, editing, transcription, and then reposting probably three hours, I think. Um, it's not all at once, but off and on. Three hours per episode, I think, yeah. is a fair.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair too, depending on the length and all that stuff. And the 14 websites, which I'm going to multiply the time you said times two because I just feel like other people who can't go in and out of this technology stuff as quickly will be spending more time. So that's 28 hours a month. So you've got 12 hours of podcast a week, but you do two, so that's 24 hours plus 28 hours so what is that, 24 plus 28? 52. 52. Yeah, 52 hours a month to get things where they're at now. So how much would it cost someone to either hire someone like you or to pretend that their time is worth money, which it is, but a lot of us don't. <laughs> like, oh, it's free. Well, how much time do you spend? How much would it cost?
0: I think if someone picked someone up like me for like a one-off, I just want to do one, $300. I have a couple of clients outside of the brokerage, who I do a monthly fee, and I'll do four, like weekly, basically, that usually runs a 1000 to $1,500 a month, depending on exactly what they're looking for. So th- do they want video? Do they want the transcription? How long is the podcast going to be? Mm-hmm. But there are certainly people out there that you can call up and, and will do a podcast for you. If you're willing to do it on your own, Right now, I'm talking to a, it's a nice microphone, but it's not outrage. It's probably $200 USB. So I'm an Apple guy. Carry my Mac with me. Plug it in. The software's already on the computer. GarageBand. Boom. You can do your podcast. And you probably need to host it somewhere, but that's 10 bucks or 15 bucks a month. So you can get it into it on the relatively low end, but time is money.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree. Well, based on your experience as a content strategist, as someone who's focused on this, what is your best advice ever for real estate investors?
0: I have two bits of advice. The first one is going to be that I finally gave myself permission to focus on the content creation instead of chasing the big real estate commission check. So just sort of being true to who you are. If you're the person who enjoys the content and the techie side, that's okay. You can be in real estate without chasing the commission check up front, right you can do it from behind but once you're doing the creation the best advice is baby steps and just keep doing them day after day after day so like you said earlier this is not a short game this is not a quick win but if you're the one who does quality content consistently over the long term you're going to blow everyone away
1: yep and then you won't see results, you won't see results, you'll you'll get a little nibble, the nibble will go away, and then you'll just get a wave of massive success. And then your next concern is not going to be, is this successful, but it's, how do I keep up? How do I scale? And then you have different higher quality problems, as Tony Robbins would probably say.
0: Exactly, because there will be agents who are looking for leads, and they'll be happy to pay you a nice referral fee if you're generating a lot of people who want to sell their house and you don't know how to deal with them all. I guarantee you there are people who are willing to help you with that problem.
1: And what's a typical referral fee?
0: Typically around here, it's 25%. But I've already talked to a few agents who have said, if you generate enough, and I'm going to be one of your primary runoffs, then you know that number goes up a little bit to keep their spot in line. So it's negotiable, right? So 25%, I've heard 35%, somewhere in between there.
1: You ready for the best ever lightning round? I am. All right, first, a quick word from our best ever partners. If you're looking in the Big Apple for real estate, then go speak to Nicole Beauchamp. She's a previous best ever guest. It's episode number 312. She offers bespoke brokerage services for sellers and buyers of real estate in New York City and beyond. You can email her at Nicole.Beauchamp, B-E-A-U,
0: C-H-A-M-P at E-V-U-S-A dot com.
1: Best ever book you've read?
0: I really enjoy books that make me think about common problems differently. So Freakonomics, they had two books. I'm cheating on you a little bit. And then any of Malcolm Gladwell's books. Those are my favorite kinds of books.
1: Best ever personal growth experience and what you learned from it?
0: Um, Well, I already told you, I started a bunch of real estate blogs. I also started a food blog and sort of worked my way through my recipes. I like to cook and tried to figure out why I eat what I eat and if it's something I should be serving for my kids and my wife. Huge growth.
1: Best ever business deal or real estate deal you've done?
0: The best ever real estate deal, I don't know if it counts as one deal, but it's one property and a couple of years ago, it's actually down the street for me. It's a pretty expensive home. And I represented the seller and a buyer came without a agent. So I helped everyone there and got both sides of that transaction. And then just a couple months later, the people who just bought it got relocated, had to sell and they liked how I worked and they chose me to sell that house. So I got to sell that property, three sides in a matter of months.
1: Best ever way you'd like to give back.
0: I am the PTA president for my children's high school. Have been for the past couple of years. About to step down, but I'm going to be the communications chair and help with the website. I know that's surprising. And I've been serving on committees and PTAs at all my kids' schools, all the schools they've been to over the years. So uh, public education, I'm a big believer.
1: What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate or business?
0: Uh, I uh, alluded to it earlier, I was trying to chase someone else's definition of what it meant to be successful in real estate. And if I had stuck with my love of content creation, and that end of it, I think I'd be in an even better spot now. But it's really I held myself back by not being honest about what I wanted to do.
1: And what's the best place the best ever listeners can reach you?
0: GregFly.com, that certainly works. I'm on Twitter at GregFlyShaker. I'm also on Facebook.
1: Well, we've talked a lot about your business. I think it's so smart. I think that it's something that people aren't doing, as you mentioned, best ever listeners. If you want to play the long game, build relationships, build your business, do something like this, interview people. And when you interview them, you promote them, you elevate them, they enjoy that. You build good karma with them and you build a friendship with them. And then if business comes into play later down the road, then it does. If not, then establish another friendship or at least a, a working relationship so that you can talk to them later if, if it makes sense to do so.
0: Uh, and can I throw out one more little nugget for the yeah. best ever listeners? I found that it is great homework. So instead of reading other people's blogs and other people's research papers and however people like to keep up on what's happening in the market, go talk to the people who are doing it every day. And most of them are happy to share what they know, get them on audio. It's great research. You learn so much. If you're open to it, it's just amazing.
1: Absolutely. I, <laughs> I have gotten the equivalent of, I don't know what, like five graduate degrees by interviewing almost a thousand guests in real estate investing and having conversations with them about their business models and then implementing certain things. One of which will be what we talked about today, but I'm going to be doing it in Cincinnati. And obviously I'm going to have a different angle because I'm not a realtor, but I will be doing that here. I think it's just so smart and I hope uh, bet some other best ever listeners were inspired as well to do something similar in their market. So again, thank you so much for being on the show, Greg. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. If you're looking in the Big Apple for real estate, then go speak to Nicole Beauchamp. She's a previous Best Ever guest. It's episode number 312. She offers bespoke brokerage services for sellers and buyers of real estate in New York City and beyond. You can email her at dot B-E-A-U-C-H-A-M-P at e vusa.com.